just before we start the episode, by nature of what we're discussing, there are going to be some spoilers for endings of films and TV shows. Nothing overly spoilerific, and also everything is well over five years old. But just as, a, as an advance warning, we do discuss the following. Mission Impossible Fallout and Voltron, Fury, Inception, Endgame and Infinity War, 21 Bridges, Law Abiding Citizen, I Am Legend, Dark Knight Rises, Signs, The Happening, Gilmore Girls, Quantum Leap, Bloodline, and in gaming, Mass Effect 3. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Casting Views, the podcast with your hosts, I'm Dan. And I'm Lou where we pick a topic each week and we, well, we cast our views or we try to, to keep it to a, a reasonable running time. <laughs> unusual, unusual month. So I'm, I'm kind of cheating a little bit this week with the theme of unusual and this subject because, Lou, it was actually your idea, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an idea that was kind of spawned, I think, out of frustration, maybe. But we've kind of managed to wangle it in to Unusual yeah. Month with the title of this podcast when you see it go out. <laughs> yeah. So Luke came up with an idea. Of, well, actually, I think it was your dad, wasn't it? You told me subsequently. But yeah, yeah, I actually, you, yeah, all, all credit to Pops. <laughs> yeah, you come up with the idea of um, the alternate ending, changing the ending to films or, or plot point, didn't you? And so yeah, I said, so, okay, we could call yeah. it The Unusual Suspects. And that's, that's how we shoehorn unusual into it. How we're not in marketing, I don't know, because we bloody should be. <laughs> it's our podcast. We can do what we want. And we, 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 we want. Cheat, cheat slightly. <laughs> anyway, before we get in, because we've got a guest, so I'm excited about that. We'll, we'll have a promo from one of our friends, and it's Leo Allen over at Voluntary Input. Are you a nerd? Are you a person? Then check out Voluntary Input, where we not only have open discussions about tech, TV, movies, and gaming, but also open discussions about people, and sometimes with the people behind the tech. Catch new episodes with me, Leo Allen, bi-weekly on Tuesdays on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Good Pods, and pretty much everywhere else you listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out videos of every episode on YouTube and Twitch. Simply go to voluntaryinput.com to find all the ways you can listen to us, contact us, and better yet, select register as a guest to be a guest on the show because we are always looking for great guests like you. Never forced, never coursed. Welcome to Voluntary Input. And we're back. So... Guest this week, Josh from Talking Smack. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just got over a heat wave in the UK, but a heat wave here is like, you know, 25 degrees as opposed to 40s that you actually see elsewhere in the world. So, <laughs> yeah, so slowly, <laughs> my, slowly getting over it. <laughs> my kids are actually on their way to my sister's house so they can swim in the pool because we're about 95 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is with the heat index. Probably over a hundred. Oh, there's a cat in here. I thought I kicked them all out. Whoops. <laughs> well, we've got two special guests then. <laughs> we had 32 degrees, didn't we, on, on Saturday? And that was 90. Oof. But 
but when we when we get that weather here, everything shuts down. As in, like people don't go to work, <laughs> offices are closed, like no <laughs> one's well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, roads oh, smell. Nice. Like, <laughs> train tracks buckle. I feel like you just raised a good point though, because I think one lack of thing that we have in the UK is just swimming pools in houses. Like it's not really ever a thing that's that's built here unless it's like mega no, rich no. mansions. I feel. <laughs> paddling pools inflate inflatable paddling pools yeah, yeah but i guess they're yeah they're kind of redundant when you only use them for three days a year so that's probably the reason as to why <laughs> but anyway once we decided on this topic i thought i've got to get josh on because i thought you probably have some takes of your own especially pro- well I'm, I'm not going to make a guess but you'll probably have some in the, the marvel or dc world i'm assuming yeah, with the way you opened it up, I, I have a few in there, but there there are a couple in there that uh, I think might be a little off kilter or off off brand for me. Oh, which will fit right in with us. <laughs> to use a horrible work project term, yeah, scope creep came into it, so I kept changing. I kept messaging Josh every other day. We're, we're changing. It. It's going to be films. Now it's going to be uh, TV shows. Now it's going to be games. So anyway, do you want to tell us a little bit about your podcast first? Oh man, uh, I got to fix my elevator pitch because um, I, I really don't know how else to describe it other than uh, I, I I really like talking nerd stuff, mainly superheroes, comics, video games, movies. So I get together with my friends every week and we talk with a rotating cast. It's usually me with someone that's uh, one of my friends for a long time. And we just talk whatever is happening in pop culture, uh, like... Coming up soon, we'll be talking about Thor 4. Um, we just got done with our Talking Smackdowns episodes. And yeah, it's just an excuse for me to get together with my friends and talk nerd shop and then meet wonderful people like Dan and Lou here and Antonio from Cultworthy. And just hang out with podcasters who enjoy doing the same thing we do. It's a good group we've got. And um, how, how long have you been doing podcasts all in all? Uh, so I've done podcasting on and off since like 2010. Uh, I've just never been able to stick with it, whether for work related reasons or uh, personal life reasons. Like I started talking smack in 2017 because I had left my job at GameStop and I still wanted to hang out with my friends. And this was a nice excuse to to get together. But then I started going to school and I had a second child. And now all of a sudden I, I don't have as much free time. So I put the podcast on hiatus in late 2018 I graduated back uh, in this most recent November and I was like, I need something to do with my time. What am I going to do with like two extra hours each day? I know I'll podcast and take away that free time. So it, it just became something, again, a creative output. And again, it, it just created a really, or I fell into a really cool community that included Dan and Lou and all these other people. It is pretty cool. And I, and I love your, your podcast and Lou, um, don't know if you heard it, the, firstly the concept of these talking smackdown episodes is doing so it's it's you put it out to the 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 public which is always risky right you put it out to the twitter public about (laughs) pitching two fictional characters together didn't you i I think it's great and just the the name talking smackdowns i I just think it's brilliant oh that was one of those uh (laughs) i i was literally just typing i'm like i don't know what the hell to call this thing and like there's that wwe smackdown show and i'm like I don't want to call it that, but that's really good. So I just went with it anyway. <laughs> and you've recently actually come off. You did a um, stint on the live stream for the Cure as well, didn't you? Do, do you want to remind us how that went and and how much you raised? Uh, we raised a little over three hundred dollars US. Um, nice, nice. Back 
one of my co-hosts, Becky and I, we've been friends for like 13 years now, 15 years. I don't know. She, we've been friends since she was like 16 years old. She's 30 now. So yeah, almost 15 years. We just had a, a fun little chat about our controversial gaming takes and, uh, what is it? Print media that we would like to see adapted into movies or TV. And then with every donation, we would tell a story about uh, our time in retail or any other like weird, fun customer interactions, which also led to me creating a stipulation of telling the story of when I was a murder suspect for about 48 hours. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's not pretty cool being a murder suspect, but I mean, that's a pretty cool story to tell. <laughs> It's it's a good story yeah, because I was not the, fact, the murderer. <laughs> yeah, yeah good that you can tell the story of it. Yes, yeah. yes. What's the nearest prison to you? Because are we filming this live? People listening won't. won't. I honestly don't even know. Wasn't there a similar story? On it's actually our time recording your SmackDown bonus episode there today, wasn't it? Your, your co-host was saying it was talking about potentially being arrested for a crime but it said a crime i didn't do that night and someone else said i oh, did it a different <laughs> night and there's just wording is everything isn't it <laughs> yeah his phrasing could have been better uh that was matt from the for real podcast uh he he's a, an air force veteran and he is telling a story about how he went to a party off base one time and he got back and something happened at the party after he left and the cops were looking for him because they heard he was there so they needed to get something from him but because he had to, it was something big, I guess. He had to be shackled so he couldn't leave the base or anything like that. But yeah, his phrasing, his phrasing was really good. He's like, I didn't commit that crime that night. They're like, so you committed it another <laughs> night? And they just got you on the wrong, it's a technicality? <laughs> like, what? what's happening here? I feel like that's probably enough in some circumstances, though. I feel like people have been yeah. done for a lot less <laughs> than turning around and slipping up like that. <laughs> It's all about semantics. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Context is everything. Context is everything. Yeah. Dan regularly listens to episodes and then calls me up and is just like, um, the way that that <laughs> sounded, I think we're going to need to change that. <laughs> well, well, that's what I was thinking when Josh said, I've got a couple of hours free. I'll do a podcast. I was thinking, God, it takes me about two days to edit some of our episodes to make sure they're, <laughs> you know, sort of broadcast worthy. Yeah. One day we'll release the hidden tapes. <laughs> That's talking smack. Obviously, we'll, we'll we'll give you a chance at the end to 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 give people kind of like your socials and, and where to find you, where, where to find your podcast. But right, the the cheat subject of the unusual suspects. <laughs> Actually, tell what, Lou, should we should we open it up to Josh first as a guest? Should we let him have first pick at this? Yeah, I think so because I feel like there's probably at some point between the three of us there must be a little bit of overlap with some. So I feel like at one point we're all just going to go, <laughs> yes, I agree, that was crap. This is how we should have done it. So yeah, we'll we'll open it up and see see what you. Yeah, for just a reminder, yeah, alternate takes and plot points on films, TV, game shows. I left music out of it because that could be difficult. But (laughs) (laughs) you don't want to change the Britney Spears "Oops, I Did It Again" video, man. Come on. Right. Well, now we're talking about it. Okay. So point number one. No, go go for it, Josh. That's another cheat episode that we (laughs) can use for another month. So we won't do that now. Uh, so with, with my first one, I actually kind of have a two for one. I'm cheating because the endings are kind of similar in the feel for me. Um, I'm going with the ending to Mission Impossible Fallout, which is the third movie in the most recent like redos of the, the Mission Impossible series. Uh, the one with Henry Cavill and also the ending to the most recent Netflix Voltron series. Uh, both have this really weird cultish like ending 
where Tom Cruise has saved the day and he has Rebecca Ferguson and Michelle Monaghan like fawning over him in this really creepy way because they look very similar. If you haven't noticed, they, they're they both very similar looking and it just everyone's just like, oh, Tom Cruise, he almost gave his life for this whole mission and he's just the best person ever. And he, you both of you love him so much. Both of you just go and be with him. And it's so damn awkward. It's so creepy. And I do not <laughs> like it at all. Like the movie is fantastic up to that point. But that ending is just it's cringe and it's creepy. And recently I've had the realization that like maybe this is some sort of weird power play that he's having over Katie Holmes because like these women don't look dissimilar from Katie Holmes. So like maybe he's trying to be like Katie Holmes. Look, I can get women who look like you to fawn over me in these movies. And like it's it's weird and creepy. And then with the end of Voltron, it's a very similar ending where Allura gives her life through magic to save the universe and the multiverse. And the universe kind of creates this Allura cult. And right. it, it's just really weird. Like a year later, it, it has like an epilogue where a year later they're celebrating and like Allura loved this and Allura this and Allura that. And it's just so damn creepy. And everyone's just got this. I don't know. It's too happy. Maybe. I don't know. It's just it's really creepy. And it, it just feels more cultish than it does. Like she gave her life to save us. So this the fact it's got Tom Cruise in both does that add a little bit to that? Is there a little bit of of that, or or are they just very much you know it could have been you could have changed it with a different actor and it would still feel creepy? Well, with with the Voltron one, it's just a very similar thing where it's like it's got this like cultish thing where everyone's fawning over this one character, which in Voltron it's Allura, and then in Mission Impossible it's Tom Cruise's character. But again, everyone's just kind of like focusing their energy and their love and adoration strictly towards that character. And it's just really strange. It's not like, oh, I've gone off and lived my life. I've gone off and lived my life and we're coming together because we're alive. It's we're coming together to celebrate this entity, this uh, deity almost. And it's just it's really creepy. It's almost like you're trying to give a payoff to the main character to give them like the hero send off. But it's almost going yes, too far. Exactly. I think that's what it is. And I think, again, like Lee, when you when we eventually talk about a lot of films, I feel like you're going to see that I don't like happy <laughs> endings because um, most of mine are going to go stark and depressing. But I hate that where it's almost like you're trying too hard and you've ruined essentially what would be a great film. Because if we're honest, there's always been films that we've looked at that could run for three hours and the last 10 minutes kills it off completely and makes you walk out of a cinema or turn off of Netflix with a sense of dissatisfaction. And that's exactly what I think it is. I think they're turning around and trying to give a hero a huge payoff. But in reality, that's not what we're after. And that's not what we've asked for. You're making it something that's not natural and doesn't feel correct in the way that it's I think presented. you nailed it right there with it's not natural. The, the whole universe, the whole world wouldn't just stop to celebrate this one person. Like in Mission Impossible, it's a little it's a smaller group because they're the only ones that know what happened. But again, they're just like, oh, man, Tom Cruise he's just he's just such a great person and it just it's so <laughs> off-putting especially when we know tom cruise is not such a great person <laughs> do you not think as well that that could be a little bit of massage like oh 100 yeah of, yeah yeah it's always like um creative direction on his part isn't it really i think that that's always kind of followed him around with the whole doing his own stunts thing as well i feel like that's what he feels he deserves at the end of his movies because it's like oh i've saved the world <laughs> and that's it 
because I am the main character and I'm going to be on the front of all the posters. There was a really, really terrible film. It's actually not in my list. What was the film with him where he was a pilot and they were on like an unknown planet or something? It had Morgan Freeman right at the end as well. Oblivion, Oblivion? yeah. Oblivion. That was kind of another one where it was just number one. I thought the film was terrible anyway, but it's not on my list um, because it's so, so trash. Um, But again, I kind of feel like that kind of followed the same same kind of story, but I feel like it might just be a very Tom Cruise thing. It's that classic though. You know, they've got that Hollywood cookie cutter template, I think what we're saying. So you sometimes when you're watching a program <laughs> or a film and you see a female character walk on, right, that's the love interest. So you already know that those two characters are going to be the love interest, whether it's in the last five minutes or something happens through the film. And it's just sometimes like, well, Lou, I think you were saying like about you liking an unhappy ending. It's about subverting the normal kind of cliches through a film. And it just sounds like, yeah, those were just yeah. really big ones. Yeah, that's what it is. And I feel like now we're at a really dodgy period in time with film being made because I feel like, wasn't there, who who came up with the theory that there's only like 25 different ways in which a film or like piece of entertainment can actually go in terms of Oh, you're talking about line. the hero's journey? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think there's only like a set literally in every film. There's a, just a, a particular script that it follows and you can apply any one of so those flow chart to every if, film that's ever made. Yeah. yeah, yeah, basically. No, it's yeah. it's so, literally yeah, what a they, flow do chart. Is they turn around and they go, uh, Joseph Campbell. <laughs> so nowadays, oh, really? Oh, okay. That's wow. it. That's it. And um, it's kind of like, okay, tell you what, what we do is we pick our hero and we decide he's fighting terrorists. And then there's also got to be a flood. And then we just follow the flow chart to get to our payoff. Done. Job sorted. 300 million down the drain, 800 million at the box office. And it seems yeah, that love it. interest can't stand each other throughout the film. But then at the last five <laughs> minutes, they love each other, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I've got the hero's journey here if you want it real quick. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's split into two halves. You have the ordinary world, which is like the status quo before the, the adventure really kicks off, which then creates the special world. So you have the status quo, which is like your prelude. You have the call to adventure, supernatural aid, crossing the threshold, which means you've now entered the plot and that you've entered the special world side, the road of trials, the approach, the ordeal, the reward, magic flight, return. Uh, oh, this is this isn't exactly it. Um, nope, because there's supposed to be like a here we go. Mythic structure, Joseph Campbell. So it's ordinary world, call to adventure, refusal, because you can't have the the conflict. The initial conflict has to be the person refusing. It's so like Luke Skywalker refusing to go with Obi-Wan. Right, I have yeah. to stay and help my family. And then family's incinerated, so now he can go. Uh, meeting the mentor, <laughs> crossing the threshold, tests, allies, enemies, approach to inner, innermost cave, ordeal, reward, the road back, resurrection, the return. So, so it, basically every movie follows this formula. <laughs> and like certain roles can be combined too. So like the, the mentor could also be the antagonist. Like there's, there's there can be a twist there if you need it to be. But everything fall, flows within that formula. So if you were to have changed the Mission Impossible ending, would you have just had less of the ego massaging of Tom Yeah, Green's I think the, the way the movie ended, you could just have them go back to... Uh, what is what are they um the mif the the or imf the impossible mission force or whatever they call themselves uh you can just have them go back to headquarters everyone go, nice job ian evan whatever his name is and then just kind of do business as usual like everything just continues because that's what the imf does is they stop world ending scenarios on a regular basis so why is this one time the moment where everyone stops and just applauds at how amazing he is 
<laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like that's that's a really good point because they've kind of almost broken what is like the internal storyline as well and the way that the the, the like universe, the Mission Impossible universe is supposed to be. And they've kind of broken that with the ending as well. Because like you say, if it's supposed to be something that's covert and that's the way that the whole principle runs, you've kind of destroyed all of that Myth, is you? it not the modern version modern action version of you know how every star wars film and i've got to be careful with star wars fans but you know the end of star wars <laughs> where it's all the happy music and they're, and they're all celebrating smiling and looking at each other and looking at each other is it the modern version of that the, the proper <laughs> happy ending but again it's not it's a group setting though so it's it's a little different whereas uh, this yeah, is just tom cruise getting himself stroked off by himself essentially since he's a producer <laughs> Well, we know uh, Tom is actually our number one <laughs> listener, so Tom. You know. <laughs> Funny enough, when, when I did have Twitter, Tom Cruise actually did follow me on Twitter, claim to fame right now. Well, wasn't it come, at me, <laughs> come at me, bro, with your Scientology money. But wasn't the funny thing is, didn't he follow you after you did a tweet slating that Oblivion film? That was the funny thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, was, that was actually the claim to fame. I came out of the cinema, and no word of a lie, I'd been out of the cinema for maybe all of 60 seconds. And back when Oblivion came out, what, 2013, whenever you were dissatisfied with something, you just sent a tweet, didn't you? That's what you did. And I literally just tweeted, at Tom Cruise, Oblivion is shit. And then about 10 minutes later, you've been followed by Tom Cruise. I was like, no Nothing way. With what that is Josh amazing. Is saying, that he's just constantly stroking the ego. He's seen someone mention his film. Ah, oh, this is great. This guy loves me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's seen a mention and he's not read the three words that have followed and he's been like, right, that's it. Right, well, me. well Josh has gone straight in with one of the biggest Hollywood stars there. <laughs> so what other targets are we painting today? Well, Lou, have you, have you got what? Do you want to give us your first one? Okay, I've got one. Now, I've always been a fan of war films. Um, I love A Saving Private Ryan. I think it's an amazing, it's an epic defiance. I actually really quite like that. Downfall as well, the film that was all done in German. Love that Valkyrie, brilliant thing as well. Actually had Tom Cruise in it as well. Um, one film that I really loved, however, I would have changed the ending to was Fury. Now, have either of you seen I Fury? So. Is that Brad I have Pitt? not seen that one. Yeah. Brad Pitt. Okay, so we'll set the scene. Fury, 1945, based on like a tank. Um, an armored convoy. Brad Pitt plays main character. It's got Josh Burnthal in it. Oh, the one really? played, um, yeah, yeah. John Burnthal, sorry. Yeah, that's it. Michael Peña. Shia LaBeouf is in it as well. Um, and just a quickie side note, cool fact. In the film, he actually had a scar on his face. And rather than have the makeup department do the scar every day, he just took a blade and cut <laughs> his face open every day wow. for filming. Because <laughs> he was so dedicated to the role. And I'm pretty sure that he pulled a tooth out as well for it. If I remember there's, rightly, there's method acting, and then sure. there's your <laughs> So, have we both seen Saving yes, Private Ryan? Yes. No. Okay. So, for context, there's a character that comes in, and he's kind of seen as the newbie. Name's Norman in the film, um, and it's kind of the same character arc as is it Upham in Saving Private Ryan comes in very innocent, hates the thought of war, and then by the end of it, kind of has his turn to like shooting Germans and that sort of thing. That's kind of like the character arc, if you'll if you have it like that. So throughout this film, the film is all based on kind of the transition between this character's innocence and war turning him into a monster. So in the film, there's like a forced execution, which he's made to take part in. Um, he has a love interest, which ends up dying, and that takes something from him emotionally, that sort of thing. Then at the end of the film, it's kind of your all out, this is it, huge sacrifice, all of the characters. So again, sorry, there's spoilers already. We should put a thing at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> 
Um, all of the characters. So basically, it's like your last stand. They all decide to make a sacrifice. So they sit on top of this tank, and there's a huge battle that lasts probably 30 or 40 minutes of screen time. Now, at the end, the young character that came in innocent, who's become what is a monster by the end of it, is the only one surviving. And he crawls underneath this tank. And in the film, obviously, it's the end of the war. And this is terrible because Fury is not necessarily supposed to be a historically accurate film. But I feel like you could have made an ending that was jaw-dropping. So the end of the film, he crawls underneath the tank and he basically hides because the Germans have overrun the tank. And then he sees a light on his face and it's a really young German soldier who sees him underneath the tank. So Norman, the character, puts his hands up as if to say, please don't do anything. The German switches the light off and just walks past. And he's found in the morning, taken away. Oh, it's like him moving away from this tank and seeing it roll off in the distance. And the payoff was that he's turned around and survived like the terrible horrors of war. I think a better way for it to have been done is if the kid sees him under the tank, he's dragged from under it, and all you hear is a gunshot and it fades to black. Because to me... It would have been a beautiful take because what you've done is the film has started with the horrors and the innocence, transformed the innocence into horror. And then what that film then becomes the ending is you look at that next German soldier and it's just a repeating of the cycle. I think it could have been a beautiful metaphor for war there. It could have been a really jaw-dropping ending because there was no satisfactory payoff then. The, the, the audience walks away thinking, oh, the innocent boy got away with it, but not with what he's done in this film. Like he shot people in cold blood. Like there were instances of like the execution, which he was forced to do at the time, but all built towards this being a story about how war turns people into horrific things. And then we got a payoff where he kind of lives happily ever after. And he's the only one that survived. And it's kind of like the innocence still prevailing, even after all the terrible things had happened. I just think that you could have turned that film into such an amazing ending and people would have walked out gobsmacked. The only thing I think I would change from that would be maybe have the young German soldier on camera, actually you see him pull the trigger. At least you don't necessarily do that. Cause otherwise yeah. it's a little too ambiguous. Like maybe uh, he, the, the U S soldier is able to uh, defend himself. Like the ambiguousness of it could, uh, the ambiguity of it to use an, a real word could also lead into maybe making the ending a little bit more um, audience friendly. Like maybe the audience doesn't walk away being like, Oh man, the American, all the Americans died. What the heck is this? Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point. And it's true. Actually what you say, I feel like you could have turned around and, and this is the thing for me, the film was all built around brutality. And then at the end, after the, the whole scene was set with the film being brutal from minute one to the 30 seconds from the end, it was all destroyed with an ending like that. And I think actually, I agree with you. You should have seen it happen and then potentially have had a scene at the end where you know that that's it for him and that's the story do, over. Do you think it's all geared up to making audiences leave with a happy, satisfactory ending? Whereas I think if you shock someone in the last frame of a film, it yeah. can be even more memorable. Yeah, because one film that I would say does that really well, have you ever seen St. Maud? Nope. Basically a horror film. It's all geared, it's like a religious horror. But there is a twist. I won't ruin it for anyone, but there is a twist in that film that is absolutely beautifully done. And I would recommend anyone going to watch it just to see it, because that is an illustration of kind of how you would have it happen here, if that makes sense. Um, well, it will do if contextually you see that other film. Um, but yeah, I think it could have been an amazing payoff. It would have suited the film down to a T. And I think it was almost ruined by having like an innocent ending, especially with the fact that it was really brutal. It was gory as well. It just kind of felt... And it's a war film, isn't it? The theme it of the it's film a war film. And... Yeah, and it's a war film. 
I, yeah, I, it, it was just strange. I don't know. Obviously, as well, like we are a Western audience. So I feel like the payoff is that oh, the Allies win yeah. kind of thing still. It's like that. that's kind of the way it's been geared up maybe. But I feel like if they're filming a film like that, it was beautifully done. And that's probably the only crit- criticism I could have had of it. Good one. I've got a really quick one before we go back to you, Josh. I've, and it actually is quite uh, coincidental timing because mine's all about ambiguity as well. Now, I, I don't mind an ambiguity ambiguous ending right i know my partner she can't stand it she's like no you're telling a story i want to know what the ending is right for me and it's only because it's like one of my favorite films it's um i'll change the ending to inception just so it doesn't leave on kind of like that cliffhanger ending because <laughs> i want that thing to fall over i want to know he's in the real world and i want to know uh, having said everything i'm a hypocrite having said what i've just said i think i'm so invested in that film and i love that film so much that i kind of don't like the fact that it ends on a is it or isn't it uh, scenario? That's the only thing for me. I, I want it ending so I know he's he's in the real world happy. I think that one as well is difficult because, again, comparatively to the last one, I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio's character you sympathise with during that film. And so as a result, you want him to have a payoff. You want to know that he's won. And the 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 scene of that spinning top i remember caused so much outrage and still does even now there's discussions on the internet like reddit threads that have been going on for 6 years about whether or not it fell because oh one of the directors said yeah, this in yeah. an interview um but but yeah no i actually agree with you on that one that's a really good one because i didn't have it i know there's a fan theory or uh like i don't know if it's a fan theory or just like an, a a series of essays that other people have written or talked about with this movie but anytime michael kane is in the scene it's supposed to be the real world from what I understand because he's never involved in the dream stuff. So if Michael Caine shows up, it's supposed to be the real world, which at the end he's there. So if you want to look at it that way, there is kind of no ambiguity. It's just the fact that they have the top still spinning to, to kind of lead onto it. But again, there's, there's never anything substantial to that. It's all just like this happens and Michael Caine is there and it's the real world. This happens. Michael Caine's not there. It's a dream. Therefore Michael Caine's there and it must not be a dream, but again, that's what Christopher Nolan likes to do. He likes to make yeah. you talk about his movies. He likes to make you think. So it's, it's one way or the other, but I, I think it is, I think it is the real world because we do see the top wobble a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think yeah. that kind of leads to it because in every other scene, the thing just kind of keeps going in a circle, but it, with the wobble, I'm like, Oh, it's slowing down. But I, I can see where you would want that less amb- ambiguous ending with that movie. It's like a three-hour film, and all you that's need exactly, is that's exactly that's what I'm saying. Seconds. In the scope of it, it's, it's really not because it, it either is or it isn't, and you can go away thinking it is or it isn't. It's up to you. But like I said, I love that film. I love the group they get. They all go through. I hate saying it, but they kind of go through this journey, this mission, and it's like it just feels like it's unfinished. But I like that. I like that theory, and I'll take that. As you were saying, I was getting confused, and I was thinking of the end scene of uh, Batman. Where it, where he's in across <laughs> them in Venice? Oh, is it Venice or Paris? I was thinking of that scene, but yeah, the the, the Michael Caine theory, I like that. <laughs> Michael Caine's always there for a good payoff, then, because if he represents that in Inception, he also saw Bruce Wayne um, at the end of Batman as well. So any end scene with a Michael Caine film, you know that it's going to be an all right one. <laughs> Josh, what's what's your next one? Um, let's see here. I think I'll save my off-brand one for last. Uh, let's go with a plot detail that I'll change. Um, I talked about this a little bit with my uh, phase two uh, segment with the No on 15 podcast. But uh, if you guys haven't listened to that, I'll go with this. Uh, in Captain America and the Winter Soldier, arguably one of the best, if not the best Marvel Absolutely. Cinematic Universe yeah. movies. 
I would replace Black Widow with Sharon Carter. I think that there's a big gap in the chemistry between Emily Van Camp and Chris Evans as Steve Rogers and Agent 13. Um, and I think that comes from the fact that we get no little to no screen time with them together. She like flirts with them a little bit in the hallway where she's like, oh, I got got to go do some laundry. And Steve's like, you want to have a cup of coffee? And she's like, got to go, got to go do laundry. Sorry. Uh, I think if you get rid of Black Widow or at least make her a side character and you put Sharon in as the sidekick, you get that a, a pretty compelling story where Steve has to decide, do I trust this person? She's the niece of someone I knew, or maybe you don't even reveal that at the time, but he has to decide whether or not he can trust her in the movies about them building trust. And like, you can throw little things in there every now and then to kind of keep that espionage thriller going of like, Oh, she betrayed me, but no, she didn't. And I think you could still get a really good movie that develops that chemistry with uh, Steven Sharon uh, to kind of pay off that kiss in civil war. Uh, whereas with black widow, again, you just audiences are familiar with her. She doesn't necessarily add anything to the story other than she's like, Oh, I feel so bad. Shield is actually Hydra. Now I worked for the Russians and Hydra. Woe is me. This is a great example of why you should be a proofreader before scripts actually go out, because that is a brilliant change that can actually affect so much in reality. It's a subtle change, absolutely. One character for another, you're not changing a huge plot point. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, is you a... can still have Anthony Mackie as Falcon introduced. You can still run the Winter Soldier story. You can still run all the Hydra shield stuff. The only thing is you're running instead of making natasha be like oh no shield is actually hydra you can do still do that with sharon because she's supposed to be a shield agent her her aunt peggy helped found shield and so now she's dealing with an identity crisis too and again you're you're developing a romantic relationship which to be fair i think the winter soldier is so good because there is no romantic subplot as well so it's kind of a, a give and take with that too for me i think winter soldier is right up there for me in terms of my favorite uh, Marvel film and I just find that Black Widow is kind of just a really I don't know under underused character I'm not saying I don't like the character but I, I just think she often she's just there almost it feels like to have Black Widow there and and like you said you, you could probably have got more more of a meaningful storyline and and if you'd have added that kind of intrigue and distrust storyline alongside the rest of it, it it just elevates a great film already great film to it to an even greater film yeah, and Agent 13 basically does the same things as Black Widow, so I don't think yeah. you're losing much in terms of action either. Speaking of Winter Soldier, though, I've got my Captain America <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. and the Winter Soldier shield right there. <laughs> look at that, look at that. Yeah, shame you can't see this, but yeah, it's, it's a, well, I was going to say a who's who, but it's more of a what's what of Marvel in, in the background there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you ever, can't see my shelf over there either. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever wield um, the shield and the hammer like Captain America did? in endgame have you ever when done it no one is in, in the house yeah. and my wife won't make fun of me yes yes <laughs> and every now and then i'll whip out the lightsaber <laughs> Amazing. Um, actually Lou, sorry i'm gonna jump in then only because i've got another marvel one if that's all right and it's just a minor one again and it actually because i don't have any more movies but this actually come from a, a work colleague of mine called alex and, and it's a, again i don't know how, how what you think of this josh but he was just saying doctor strange he liked it but he would have liked more universes because it was a multiverse of, of madness and, and only really went to two, <laughs> you know, the real one and, and the second one. So I know they have that scene where they're kind of blipping through them all. And I'm thinking, would I have liked to have seen 
them sort of actually enter into a few more universes, but it was already, what, a couple of hours long. So I'm wondering what you're going to cut out or how long are you going to make it just to add like paint world or something, paint universe in. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of the Age of Ultron uh, conundrum where it, it the title conveys one thing and what you get is another. I think if you make it more multiverse jumping, you're sacrificing story for spectacle. And that becomes yep. a problem because then you're not telling a compelling story. You're just satisfying a, a nerd need essentially of like, oh, we're in this universe where everyone is food. We're in this universe where everyone is animals. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's not it's not satisfying when you walk away from it. So like if you're walking in going like, oh, we're going to jump into like six universes and see so many different things. It's definitely not that. It's more of a you're going into one universe because the entire multiverse is affected. It's but there is that quick like blink and you miss it kind of sequence where they're first falling through the multiverse and you get like uh, their, their ab abstract shapes, their cartoons, their paint and all sorts of different things, uh, which I mean, I thought multiverse of madness was on par with the first Dr. Strange movie. I don't know if I liked it as well because I don't think the finale is quite a satisfaction satisfactory. I liked it. Uh, yeah. I don't have you I haven't seen, seen it yet. yet. No. I think, I think it's worth a watch just because it's got a different vibe. I think that's Sam Raimi, but it's got it's definitely got a different vibe to it to it to the others. But, but yeah, I agree with you. I think I think Doctor Strange films have stood out as being quite weird and trippy and and different. And I think that's that's enjoyable to watch. Again, you've hit now on the head. I think with the the title, I think the title. Yeah, you want it multiverse, but then you went to two. Sorry, Alex. We don't, none of us agree with you. So. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, right, Louis, sorry, over to you. Well, I tell you what. Now that you brought, now that we're on the Marvel theme, um, okay, okay. I'm going to stay there. And this is Infinity War. And again, this is a very last five minute thing because this was Thanos's snap at the end. I just didn't want to see anything after Thanos's snap in that film because I feel like it kind Ooh. of gave us everything anyway. So, did I really believe that there was any danger to any of the characters that I saw disappear, par barring Vision at the end of that film? Obviously, I feel like it was definitely lights yeah. out for him. <laughs> but did I feel that there was any inherent danger to any of the other characters looking at them fade into nothing? No. And so it kind of set me up for the next film as a, okay, well, how are they getting back? That That's just the, the way the next one's going to start. I feel like it didn't leave me with any jeopardy like it probably should have done. Uh, I, I have to do a hard disagree with that oh, one. Uh, the, the, end, <laughs> the end to Infinity War, that was one of the few moments where like, you could hear a pin drop in my theater. Uh, I think I was the only person that chimed in like when, when T'Challa starts fading away when uh, Okoye reaches for him. You, I audibly went, oh shit! <laughs> and like, I was the only person in the theater that like made a noise in that moment. And I, I usually I don't speak up. Usually I'm I'm pretty uh, well well kept in, in a theater. But like uh, with that moment, like Spider-Man went away and Black Panther, who just had a billion dollar movie. I'm like, who's going to be left? Because like I went in thinking like, OK, Captain America is going to die. Chris Evans uh, contract is up and he, he's going to get snapped or he's going to die in a, in a sacrifice or something. And he was left. So I was like, oh, at least my favorite character still around. But like so many people walked away with all of their favorite characters getting blipped away. Uh, but I, I think if, if anything, I think maybe that could have been better served as a post credits where you see Thanos uh, snap. And then we get that moment of him on the farm and he's just like, I did it. 
and then we get the the uh the credits and we're like what did he do what happened what what are the repercussions and then we get the the post credits where we see the other perspective where uh he he goes through the portal thor gets his hammer back uh and then we see everyone starting to ash away i think that might have been a bit more compelling because again you're sitting through the credits like who's going what's happening but I, I don't think I would change it into going into Endgame because again, Endgame is is like you said, Lou. Uh, it is more about how are they getting them back. Uh, so I, I think that having the movie start with uh, all these characters getting dusted away kind of takes away, especially from like the way they did start it with Hawkeye losing his family because that's a big character moment for him. So yeah. you really need that punch because we've sat on that moment for a year at that point. So now we're yeah. We're sitting there and we see what Hawkeye goes through with it too. So I think you kind of take away from that moment if you if you save that for the moment with Endgame. Uh, the only way, other way I think that could work is if you just completely make it ambiguous, going back to the ambiguity stuff, where he snaps it, we see Thanos, and it cuts away. And then we come back a year later and we just see uh, like the, the opening scene where they're showing like, oh... Um, t'challa's sister is gone t'challa's gone and they just start listing off all these people that are gone and we have to assess kind of with them that oh my god how are they going to do this with the original six avengers and war machine essentially that's it uh but i think i think still leaving it with infinity war gives you that emotional punch that uh kind of what we were talking about earlier where we don't get that happy ending and it makes it a little bit more satisfying especially going back into endgame I guess as well, we still got the lovely scene with Spider-Man and Iron Man, didn't we? Where he turns around. That was that was the worst one, I guess, yeah. Sorry, you saying literally uh, at the moment of the snap you would have faded. No, that, no, I just feel it. like we maybe shouldn't have been, we shouldn't have been shown, not, not been shown, we just shouldn't have known for certain who was gone. So potentially you oh, could have sorry, set it up okay. with a scene of them later on where people are evidently missing and it could have been an audience thing to piece together to turn around and say what has actually happened. So you could have had like right. a level of ambiguity to it. I don't know. I just feel like it was with the end, it kind of just set me up for knowing, oh, well, everything's fine because I knew that they were like how you can't, there was no possible way that all of the characters that I've seen disappear into dust on screen have actually disappeared. Do you know what I mean? It kind of set me up to, it settled me as opposed to the the thing of leaving me with jeopardy almost. Kind of get what you're saying. And, but for me, I think I, I kind of like the ending. And, and Josh, uh, what you said, it did feel eerie in the cinema when that bit happened because the way they did it, the way they did the effect of the ashing away and the film kind of goes silent and it was silent in the theatre and, and it, it felt quite eerie and quite creepy and I think it was quite effective. And Lou, like you said, I think the, the, the Spider-Man scene with Iron Man was quite, it, it was quite heart-wrenching. When you're in the moment, because like I said, I've been waiting. So, I remember my partner reminded me, I was so excited about Infinity War coming out and I was just so into it. Then to see this kind of happen at the end. Um, and what was the other one? What was the other one that got me? Oh, oh no, that was it. The, the other thing which I felt worked great as the end credit thing was it was Ant-Man, wasn't it? Because he'd gone into the quantum realm. Yeah. And then the rest of them. And I, when I saw that, that was even more of a bigger jaw drop for me because I thought, yeah, that's a whole story in itself. How's he going to get out of there? So he's trapped in this quantum realm. Um, so, yeah, it kind of it kind of worked. But, yeah, you, I can see how you want to maybe you could tweak things here or there. Yeah, again, I've, I, I, it was a jaw dropping moment in and of itself with the way that it did end. 
I feel like you could have just driven people mental for that period between the release of the of Endgame, yeah. um, and that would have held everyone on edge for for that period of time. I think that my, my that take would have opinion, been obviously my take would have been in Endgame this they couldn't bring everyone back, so they'd have had to choose a couple that they couldn't bring back. Well, yeah, yeah, some bring of them were to be sacrificed or something. Yeah, to bring some real <laughs> to to bring some real drama to it. Yeah. But yeah, that that was my my other Marvel one. That was actually only supposed to be a footnote, but I realised from the stunned silence after I said that point that there was going to be issue. <laughs> I was just like, oh, "What have I done?" I, I can I can definitely see where you're going with it, but again, I I think I think the way it ends is pretty much the only way it could have ended, what with it being um, satisfactory and also kind of leaving you with a, a sense of dread and wonder for the what's to come yeah and after you've said it as well the way in which you would have put it together with potentially credit scenes probably could have been even more effective than the way that it did end and i think that i quite like that idea as well um but yeah again it's another point you need to be proofreading for marvel <laughs> it just shows though between the three of us that we've got different views uh, imagine how the directors and producers must feel when they're doing it for millions of <laughs> we're not satisfy anyone <laughs> Well, if anybody um, is listening to this that is, you know, got links to Marvel, um, do know that you're just not going to satisfy all of us. Um, so. I, I just think, actually, while we're talking about these two films, they've got two, for me, of the best scenes ever. I, I, I do like the ashing away scene. I think that's really well done. And, of course, the bit in Endgame where they're coming through the portals. I mean, that, you know, look... We don't really do shouting in cinemas here, do we? And, no, 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 so, no. But I, I, there was audible cheering at that scene in a British cinema as well. And I was like, and, you know, when he says Avengers assemble and he catches that hammer, it was just, it was great. As a fan, it was just great. Yeah. I actually think that's true. I think the only two times in history in which anybody has been audible in a British cinema is when Captain America picks up the Thor's hammer and when they come through the portal, I think that's the only time yeah, you've yeah, heard yeah. audible shouts in <laughs> cinemas in the UK ever for anything. <laughs> I've had three instances, well, four instances of uh, theater going experiences where like the entire audience erupted. Uh, one of the, the first one I very vividly remember is Independence Day when uh, the last or when uh, Randy Quaid goes up and blows up the ship. Uh, th- that's like one of the first times I remember the audience just screaming uh for just out of joy and uh just ad- adulation for the the performance and the, the the moment uh the next one that i remember is uh one that i didn't participate in because i was extraordinarily annoyed with the crowd uh but it was at the last harry potter movie when uh the weasley mom says get away from her you bitch and i'm like that's from aliens but everyone else is like oh my god it's from the book <laughs> <laughs> It's so like being being in a room full of a bunch of Harry Potter nerds when I'm not a big Harry Potter nerd. That was that was a really bad experience for me. I love it. Um, I love it. <laughs> uh, and then I the when Hulk smashes Loki, uh, I got to see Avengers uh, like a month early for uh, an advanced screening that like it was a first come nice. first serve sort of thing. Like you sign yeah. up, you register, and if you get in, you get in. I wore my Captain America hoodie, and they're like, "Hey, you want in?" I'm like, "Hell yeah!" So they let me and my buddy in. <laughs> And uh, when Hulk smashes Loki, like the, the crowd was roaring so much, I couldn't even hear the like puny God moment. <laughs> and then um, Cap lifting up Mjolnir and Avengers Assemble, those two moments separately within Endgame. Those are probably the two loudest moments I remember. Um, 
cap lifting up Mjolnir, like even with that, I was, I was so like, again, I'm very reserved when I'm watching the movie. So I'm trying to absorb it and just be with it. But when he gets that hammer and he catches it, I I was just like, yes, like just shimmying very tightly in my seat because I was so excited for that moment. And then when, again, no one should hear him say assemble, but you hear it and you're just like, fuck yes, assemble, (laughs) get him. I get tingles with those moments every time. I like, I, that, that's my biggest nerd moment. Like I will get tingles yeah, with yeah. those moments every time. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I feel that. I feel that. And, and they did it well because they teased it in a couple of the earlier films, didn't they? So where he's trying to pick up the hammer at the party and you yep. know, no one can, you see it move a little. And, and is it the end of the first Avengers where they cut away when he's, he says Avengers and then it cuts away as he's about to say, it sounds like he's going to say a seven. That's age of Ultron as well. Cause they have the oh, new Avengers team like, oh, and that's... he's like Avengers. Yeah. which in the outtakes it's actually really funny because uh scarlett johansson like jumps more into the center of the frame and she goes assemble <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel again they've teased it well um the only other theater i've been in that was noisy was the recent spider-man film as well actually for the obvious mm. reasons that 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 race and, and i went to the end of the run so there was only about 10 of us in there so i could have been one of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, funnily enough i did the same thing with spider-man as well oh, yeah, and yeah. i think yeah it was a little bit audible when you saw all three of them swinging together at the end of the film into like the final battle that was brilliant to be fair yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, I I saw that uh, in early February, and it it was the my wife and I were the only people in the theater at the time, so <laughs> we're just sitting there like we were we're at home, like oh, this is so much fun, and we're just enjoying it. Like, she said to her friends, "Yeah," and there was someone who kept shouting the way through the whole film. <laughs> it was sitting near me. Yeah, uh, I I had most of that movie spoiled for me because I knew I wasn't going to be seeing it opening weekend, so it's just like I might as well peel rip off the band aid because. Uh, all this is going to be on the internet in the next like 24 hours. Yeah, so, you know, I, I just, well, I just let it go. Yeah. You know what? Sorry. Separately. Cause this is nothing to do with the theme. It is irritating now when a film comes out and you feel like you have to watch it within 12 hours of it being released yeah. before someone <laughs> at some point in your life ruins it for you. And then I've had moments like that and I've turned around and been like, I'm actually just not going to watch it now out of protest because somebody's already ruined it for me. So I feel like I'll watch it now two years down the line when it's not become a thing and I can just get the payoff that I would have wanted originally. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's why I don't have Twitter or anything anymore. <laughs> it's more, I think what's more dangerous for that is TikTok. Because you're oh, just scrolling yeah. through the you page. Just see you know, it. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't stop it. All right, well, we, oh, we, dis- we descended into uh, to Marvel, which is nothing, not bad. Not bad. Um, I just think it's Josh's turn, right? Is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah no, I, you, I, you mentioned because you mentioned about Infinity War, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I mentioned Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll go with I'll, I tease my off-brand one, so um, this one might come as a shock to some people, but I love this show, and I was really happy when it came back on Netflix. It's Gilmore Girls. Do you know what? I've only ever seen a couple of episodes of that. Yeah. <laughs> I think my girlfriend watches Gilmore um, Girls, but I've never, never sat down with her to watch it. <laughs> As an adult, I've kind of learned and realized that Lorelai is a horrible person, but the the end of the Netflix seasons with uh, A Year in the Life, uh, apparently that was supposed to be the, the original ending. Uh, spoilers for Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life. Uh, at the end, Rory, the daughter of Lorelai, reveals that she's pregnant. But in the context of this new season on Netflix, she's in her 30s. The only controversy, if you even want to call it that, is that she's potentially impregnated by someone who's engaged to another person. 
She's okay. 30 years old. She's well off. She, she can handle herself. She's got rich grandparents. She's got a well-off mother. She's got a, a stepfather, potential stepfather, a stepfather. Yeah. They get married. Um, who has plenty of money as well. There's no reason. And she's about to get a big book deal. Like she has no reason to be like, I'm pregnant. I don't know what to do with my life. You're 30. You just got a book deal. You're fine. You can raise <laughs> a child on your own. And it, it just, if that was the original ending where she's like, oh, I'm fresh out of college. I'm going to have a kid. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. That's a different story. But with the way this series presents the, the moment, because it cuts to black, she goes, mom, I'm pregnant. And then cut to black. And it's like, okay, what's the point? What's the matter with this? Like, oh no, you're pregnant with this rich guy's child who is engaged to someone else, even though he doesn't want to. It's a, it's a marriage of circumstance because rich people need to inbreed. Like I, it's, it's gross and weird. Uh, but it, 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 it's an ending that I wouldn't have put in there just because it was, it was, it was, uh, I want her, I forget her last name, uh, or I, I can't remember the creator's name, but she, she got taken off the last season of the show. And so this was kind of her way of kind of sticking it to the CW, WB, whatever it was when Gilmore girls was airing. And she's like, I'm going to do my ending. And like, right. it doesn't work in this context anymore. Like just get rid of it. Just do, do the ending you did. And then that's fine. You don't need the I'm pregnant moment, especially if you're not going to pay it off with another season or another series down the line. Please, it's angrier at that bit. <laughs> sorry, Lou, he's <laughs> angrier at that bit than the, the rest of it. But sorry, Luke. Yeah, I feel like it kind of leans into what you said a little bit earlier about there being nothing about that moment if you leave it kind of set with no payoff afterwards then. And I think that's probably what it is with that. I'll, I'm, you know what? I'm going to have to go and watch Gilmore Girls now. How many seasons are there? Uh, there's eight if you count the Netflix series. Oh, God, that's going to be a long run. But I'll touch base with you in a year. Yeah, there you <laughs> we, go. We're going, to make, we're going to do a whole Gilmore Girls review. <laughs> well, if you don't want to do Gilmore Girls, which you don't have to, um, I, Amy Sherman Palomino, that's her name. That's the creator's name. Uh, she Or Amy Palomino now, I think. She got divorced, so she's not Amy Sherman anymore. She also uh, created the Netflix, or no, the Amazon Prime series, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is fantastic. Like, it's not, it doesn't have that, like, Seinfeld, it's always sunny kind of thing where like the the main characters are awful people. That's also kind of prevalent in Gilmore Girls. It like the characters are all wonderful characters. They're they're fun. They're well rounded, and it's it's a great show. It's about a woman in the like 1960s who wants to become a stand up comedian. It's just it's fantastic. I would highly recommend it. I'm gonna have to give that a try as well now. See now I'm tied up for like the next eight months. From one podcast, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. and actually, I, I, Sorry, well, I was going to say, you know, we're going to keep going on tangents here, right? But I love that what you said actually really resonates in terms of certain sitcoms. Like I said, Seinfeld, hugely popular. I love it, but yeah, in theory, you can't like the main characters because they're all narcissistic or selfish or you know self-involved, aren't they? So you're not really in any other program. You you wouldn't be supposed to like them. Yeah, it's it, uh, if we have the time, I would love to talk a little bit about how I met your mother, because, again, like uh, the, the the main love interest that comes out of that show is Robin. And Robin just gets progressively worse and worse as a person throughout the series. And yet we're supposed to be like, oh, yeah, Ted's going to end up with her and be happily ever after. Like, yeah, no, yeah. she's awful. And is it is it Barney? Yeah. Yeah, you probably wouldn't be able to write a character like his now. Probably not. 
Okay, so Lou, yeah, come back to us once you've done Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that, a whole, re- whole series of review. I'm going to go to a film. I've got a, a few left, but one of them's particularly difficult because I just hate the whole thing. <laughs> Law Abiding Citizen, though, is my next one. Mm. I'm not sure I've seen I that know one. of that one. Jerry Butler. Um, yeah. Gerard Butler is his stage name. I call him Jerry. Um, <laughs> Jamie Foxx as well. Yeah. Um, yeah okay. Got, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, a few big names in it. Um, remember ending well enough? No. <laughs> okay, okay. So obviously the whole film is based on the premise that, you know, family murdered. Um, and if you haven't seen Laura Biden Citizen by now, sorry, guys, you, you, you should understand. Well, I'm going to, at the end, I'm going <laughs> to put at the start all the things we're going to spoil. But I think everything we've discussed, it falls within, like, you've probably seen it by now. Yeah, yeah, I, I would hope so. Or it's in the bargain bin at Walmart and you don't need to see it or you can go see it very <laughs> there, easily. There you go. Or just listen to this pod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll spoil it. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it for you. Um, Save yourself two hours. Giving the reason as to why you don't need to watch it. <laughs> yeah. So, Law Abiding Citizens all set on the premise that man's family murdered retribution to punish all of the people involved in. The reason why he didn't get justice. And at the end, the way it ends is that his plot is discovered. They find out how he's killing all of these people because he's actually just sneaking out of the prison. Former, like, you know, military man, that kind of storyline. And he's ended up locked in the cell and Jamie Foxx's character drags a bomb that he's planted in the court, I believe it is. And he's put it in his cell. So at the end of the film, we get this moment where he sees the bomb under his bed. He looks at it and realizes that it's all over. And he looks at the bracelet that his daughter gave him and you get the payoff because the bad guy's technically dead. My problem. And the reason that I don't like happy endings is because in my mind, Gerard Butler was never the bad guy in that film. His character was never the bad guy. Everybody that he had a reason to kill, whilst it might have been slightly warped, was for a reason in my mind. So I feel like that film would have been better off if it had ended with no satisfaction on Jamie Foxx's character's end. So Gerard Butler's done all of these terrible things, killed absolutely everyone he needs to kill. And Gerard Butler is the one to end it himself because his character has the moment of realisation and he makes the conscious choice, if that makes sense. So it's the switch between him becoming a monster, the realisation, him taking it away himself. And I feel like you could have sustained Jamie Foxx's character's innocence by having a scene where it's too late for him to actually save Gerard Butler's character from death because he wants to bring him through the justice system. That's kind of the way that I would have done it, because I feel like the way it is, it's kind of like Jamie Foxx walking away from an exploding prison so he can have that shot of an explosion in the background (laughs) and our hero walking away. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of the way it's positioned to me. And then it goes back to normal life, whereas I feel like if you'd have had Gerard Butler's character have the storyline of the understanding, the realisation, and then him ending potentially his own life himself in that film to kind of bring everything full circle, you would have had the emotional distress of Jamie Foxx's character realising that absolutely everyone's lost and there was nothing that he could have done about it. Whereas the last action is the only thing that he had control of. And I just didn't like the way that it settled that film. I don't know. But again, beautiful, brilliant film. I think the ending is good as is. I feel like it could have just been tweaked to have made it a little bit more about Gerard Butler's character up rather than jamie foxes i think seems fair enough to me seems like a, a well yeah. thought out yeah see Thanks. that's yeah. See, you know that that one's good because <laughs> yeah i had no complaints no no additional no additional <laughs> notes i was i was just thinking how the ending was actually fairly similar to um one of chadwick boseman's last performances in the movie 21 bridges where uh oh, yeah. it, it's it kind of it becomes like a big cons- inner 
uh, city conspiracy where like the police force and the, the mayor's office and all these other uh, bits of the city are working together to create this drug ring. And it, it does kind of have that happy ending where like the police come and uh, surround the house of the, the big bad guy who ends up being, I think is like the mayor or the district attorney or something. And it's like, if the corruption's running that deep and you really want to create a message, you can't have that satisfactory ending. You have to make it where he's going to win the little battles and like the big battle is hopefully going to kind of crumble from underneath because it's one of those things where, especially on the American side with the corruption of the police force, I don't think you can really have that satisfactory ending with a cop movie like that anymore. Yeah, that's a good point is how it plays into the way that stories work in terms of what's going on as well, to be fair, and how it's received by audiences. I think, Lou, I think what I've liked with yours is that it's almost like uh, what is good and evil. Or what yeah. is good and bad. So yeah. a fine line, yeah. isn't there? Well, and... well, that's the thing. I think that with the Fury one, it's all like, again, and I think that the, the way that films end now, we're so desperate to give a hero's payoff, when in actual fact, such a subtle tweak to the end of Laura Biden's Citizen still gives you a satisfactory payoff, because at the end of the day, if you looked at Gerard Butler's character as a, as a terrible evil, you still got the payoff in the fact that he was dead. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't then give redemption to the lawyer who ultimately was the reason that the whole storyline happened the way it did to begin with. Yeah. In actual fact, he's the only one that you needed something to happen to, but it didn't. And it was just, it was just a way it was strange. I thought it was strange given the nature of the film and the way that the story had worked up until that point. Similarly with Fury, it just didn't fit the narrative of the way that it had been shot and, and what kind of emotions they wanted to play on with the audience. Yeah. It's a common theme with a lot of those kind of endings where the, the ending doesn't quite match the theme. Like, uh, uh, I am legend where yeah. Will Smith doesn't have the realization that, Oh, I'm the monster. I'm the legend. It, so yeah, I, I get what you're saying that that works perfectly. I think. And as well, sorry, just on a small tangent, I'm going to go on to this because we mentioned it before as well. I kind of have that feeling with the dark Knight rises. So we spoke I have that about in my notes too, if we got to it. Yeah. I, I have that about the dark Knight rises. Well, let's, and that's let's, been... let's do it. Let's do it. Then yeah. well. You say your bit firstly. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the ending and him looking over and seeing him have dinner and the happy ending again, just didn't fit the narrative of the film. Like Bruce Wayne was so arrogant to begin with all of the conversations that he had with Alfred about turning around and you had Alfred's thing about him at the grave saying, I promised I'd look after you and all of that sort of stuff. And then at the end, it's like happily ever after when in actual fact, a better ending for Bruce Wayne in those films would have been for him to have made the ultimate sacrifice and have just fit the narrative leading up to that point. I just feel like it would have been the best way to see it off rather than seeing him have a croissant in the south of Italy or wherever <laughs> they were. Like it's, to me, it's just, you know, it was, it was a strange way to do it. And I know that they've got to get the nod because it's, 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 it, it was all set up, but I just, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Just before you you go into that, Josh, about um, what did we say? It was the the, the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight yeah. Rises. Just to your point there about I'm Legend, I did have. If we got time later, I'll come back to it. But according to Reddit, which we said is obviously the the font for this, the the ten worst movie end, endings, I'm Legend is in there, and it's like they said, even though it's one of Will Smith's best performances. Uh, the ending is poorly executed because the main character has spent the better part of three years trying to find other human survivors. And when a woman shows up and tells him there is a camp of survivors, he chooses to die. So <laughs> yeah, it, it, it features on there. It's on there. But sorry, over to you, Josh, about, about Batman. Uh, so I honestly have not seen The Dark Knight Rises in its entirety since I saw it in theaters because, among other things, I found it extraordinarily boring. Uh, but the ending alone just leaves a bad taste in my mouth because, again, I think... 
there's a lot of issues within the film. Like Bane goes into the Gotham Stock Exchange and just kind of empties out Wayne Enterprises or does something to the the stock of Wayne Enterprises so that Bruce Wayne is technically broke. But like, isn't there a system of checks and balances that should be like, no, these are fraudulent <laughs> things that happened? Like, that's not going to work. But no, it's a comic book movie. People aren't going to think about that sort of thing. Well, Josh thought about it and it's bullshit. <laughs> Amazing. But there, there's there's all sorts of little things like that. Like they immediately turn off his power too, even though he's probably paid up for the year. And there, there's just so many little things. And then again, the the bomb at the end with the autopilot and there's no way he could have gotten out in time. It's just a big mess of they want to give a happy ending and a good send off to Bruce. But the themes of all these movies is that Gotham needs a Batman. Bruce is too broken to not be Batman. Like that's his entire arc with Rachel is that he can't not be Batman and she can't be with him because he's Batman. So end the movie where he finds a way to save the day or he just is like, excuse me. He's like, I fixed the autopilot sends it off and the bomb explodes and everyone's like, yay, Batman. And now Batman's the hero. Kind of like what we get with the end of the Batman where everyone's now like, Oh, Batman's a good guy. We get him now. And then he just kind of gets to continue to be Batman, like have him accept who he is as Batman. Don't make it a thing of passing the mantle to a guy who has no training. Who's going to die within a week of trying the grappling hook for the first time. (laughs) That should have been a post-credit scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we, we, we've missed the trick here, haven't we? Amazing. Yours, see, yours is still a little bit more perky because I would have just had, um, I would have had Bruce Wayne die at the end of that film. I think him dying is probably more of a poignant ending. But again, if you're going to say, if you're going to stick with the theme of Bruce Wayne is Batman, Batman has to fix Gotham. Gotham is a never-ending cesspool of a vicious cycle of corruption. You kind of can't have him die because he's the only thing keeping the corruption from overflowing in the city. Yeah. But the dark Knight kind of the dark Knight movies kind of forget about that, especially at the beginning of the dark Knight rises. So you're, you're kind of already skipping over a narrative point. Um, so there, there's a lot of fixes that I would have to get in there to, to really tackle. Uh, but I, I, we've already been going over an hour, so I don't think we have time to to fix the entirety of the Dark Knight Rises. Sorry, we're just slowly infuriating more and more fan bases. I had to go at Marvel. <laughs> we've now just had to go at the Dark Knight. <laughs> I, th- I think the thing about the Dark Knight and Josh, to answer yours, is you, yeah, you could have him die in the sense of he then becomes the symbol to, to the whole of Gotham then. He could be that symbol. I mean, the thing with me is it was a missed opportunity not to kill him because one, it was obviously the end of that trilogy, but you knew, even though it wasn't on the cars and you knew it was going to be rebooted at some point. So now we've had two iterations of another Batman and it's just, Oh, here's another Batman. Here's another Batman. And if you'd have probably killed him off at the end of that, again, it would have made that trilogy more impactful or more meaning. I keep saying, I can't see another time of Batman's parents being killed and those pearls falling. It, 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 I've seen it too many times. It breaks my heart. I can't I can't see it another time. That's the they, they skipped it in the Batman, but I would not be shocked if they went, okay, we didn't do it in that movie, but now we'll do it in the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> I've, just, I've seen it too many times. As well, just on The Dark Knight Rises, can we just talk about how unsatisfactory Bane's death was as well? Just get shot by the bike. 
That's it. Finished. <laughs> gone. It was just. It was or just, how, ridi- <laughs> they, how ridiculous Marion Cotillard's death as Talia Al Ghul is, where she like forgot that she was supposed to die. Then she just suddenly goes, "Oh yeah, huh. yeah." <laughs> <laughs> She's in the front of the truck, isn't she? <laughs> awful awful all of the deaths she's just giving this like yeah she's just giving this like monologue of like i i did what i my father set out to do awkward silence (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) dead see i haven't haven't seen it for years well no i was gonna say i haven't seen it for years and i think i remember liking it but now i think i'm gonna go back and think (laughs) did i really like it (laughs) see the deaths that were done were done incorrectly and then the deaths that we wanted didn't happen I think that's what the problem is with the Dark Knight Rises. And then they completely undercut Jim Gordon's intelligence with uh, him not knowing who Batman is until he quotes him from when he was a child, from when he helped him as a child. He's like, Bruce Wayne? I've, I've, you've been working with him for 15 years-ish? Like, you haven't deduced this yet, Mr. Commissioner? Maybe that's why there's so much crime in Gotham. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the Superman glasses thing, isn't it? The Superman Clark Kent thing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Right, there we go, Luke. We've just thrown Superman uh, into Yeah, the yeah, we are. Gone. <laughs> I'm going to do a couple of TV shows. And again, they'll be quick. I'll start with the one that I'm sure we've all seen. If not, we all know about it. Friends. What I would change, I would eradicate from history the Joey Rachel storyline. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I I just feel it was shoehorned in. I don't know if they were trying something. It just ruined then that kind of last couple of series for me because I don't think it would ever have happened. It felt so uncomfortable watching it. Especially with the payoff of it where they just kind of realize like, oh, we're better off as friends. Like you could have done that in one episode where again, they they do the date, they, they drunkenly make out and then they realize like, oh, that was a mistake. But no, they had to stretch it out for what was that? Like almost an entire season or was it two seasons? I, I, I don't even remember. I haven't two, seen it in so long. But, but it was also the fact I think it was know, within the season. But it kind of was Oh no, because it, yeah, it was extended because it started when Rachel was pregnant. Then it extended past the point where she had the baby. That's right. And there was like yeah, a whole awkward I, thing with the baby where they're like, oh, is Joey going to be like the stepdaddy? And no. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and for me, it's like, because I know that Joey isn't everyone who's going to settle down. And it's just, uh, it just felt really, it didn't feel like it in a realm of possibility it could even happen. Do, do, do you know what I mean? And it kind of spoiled for me at the time, the dynamic of it. And the other thing before I last Lou what he thought of it was, I would have also, um, I would also have stopped probably Monica and Chandler getting together because I wanted the end of the series to be a spin-off of Joey and Chandler moving in together somewhere else and having adventures on their own, you know, the Joey and Chandler show. So that's the only reason. I mean, I, I thought their relationship, uh, Chandler and Monica, I thought worked well. But yeah, I would, you know, the only thing, or maybe they get a divorce and he moves in with Joey and they can have some fun together. Like yeah, the last episode of the entire Friends thing isn't them putting the keys down. It's uh, Chandler and Monica's divorce so we can have a spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Monica. Well, I, I, I think in Dan's world, it's uh, what's, what is uh, the not friend Drescher's character's name? Um, no, um, Janice. Yes, he gets married yeah. to Janice, and then they get divorced. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there you go. So, so I had that, and on a similar theme, um, have either of you watched Frasier? No, I've watched like episodes. I have not. No, no, and, and and for me, it's like there's um. So you've got Fraser's brother Niles, um, and he's just as you know uptight as as, as Fraser, and they get 
a like a, a, a therapist, a, a living therapist for their dad, who's from England, Manchester, England, Daphne. And she's kind of like plays a, a like a ditzy kind of Brit. And Niles always fancied her. But I think, yeah, he was married and then gets to And anyway, it's, it's like eight, seven seasons of him yearning for her. And then they get together. And then from that moment, I felt like it went downhill because what was like a key element of a show for seven years, his constant yearning for someone who was nothing like him. They got together and then they just didn't feel like they fit. And then they turned her into quite a, a like a prim proper character, which I'm not saying people can't change, but it just changed the whole dynamic of the last couple of seasons for me. And it's just an example of, I don't know if it's fan service or wanting to do that happy ending where a couple have got to get together, but it was just a, another example. Yeah. In the show where it just, just ruined it because they put two people and they, they lost then what was the key ingredient of the show for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, see, now I'm going to have to watch Fraser as well. Now, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, you can watch that. They're, they're short. It's it's like ten seasons, but they're only like uh, sort of twenty five minutes long. So I feel like here they used to uh, always be on be on in the mornings at like half seven. They used to run like two episodes next to each other on TV. Yeah, I still do. I think Channel Four, nine thirty to ten thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you definitely watch Fraser. <laughs> well, it was one of the ones. It was yeah, yeah. It was one of the ones where um kind of like my partner loved it as well and coming off the back of cheers i, I was already really enjoying it. and it was a clever spin-off it was it was good until they got niles together with daphne but anyway <laughs> um who's next lou actually do you want to okay I've, one I've got one um it's mark Wahlberg. it's the happening i've not seen that one no not seen it not seen it um it's like uh, i plants i feel like i've people. seen it through proxy <laughs> yeah um, but there's there's no real way to describe the plot of the film. Um, plants create some sort of toxin that goes into the air and makes people commit suicide. Basically, there's actually a really cool scene at the very beginning. It's probably the only half decent bit of the film, like the only four out of ten bit of the, the film. And there's a scene of like construction workers all jumping off of a building. That's like the opening scene. Um, so basically, your hero in Mark Wahlberg um, doesn't shoot any terrorists or anything in this film, which is very unlike Mark Wahlberg. Um, he goes on this journey, all of these people are dying, and the wind basically is the indication of this toxin moving through the air. So bushes start to move, and all of a sudden, you know, you need to get inside and close the windows because otherwise you're going to want to kill yourself. Um, and at the end of the film, <laughs> they're, they're all sat in a house and they're, they're, they're separated. So Mark Wahlberg is separated from his like love interest, I guess, and then a small child as well. And they decide that they're just going to face it together and they all walk out at the end of the film, and then everybody realizes they're not affected by the toxin anymore because it's just finished. <laughs> oh wow! Honestly, it's I, I just sat there and I just thought to myself, I was like, I've not sat here for an hour and twenty, and I feel like you know a film's <laughs> going to be crap when it's only an hour and twenty minutes potentially anyway. But I've not sat here for you to all just tell me that it may as well have been a dream because I think I would yeah, have got yeah. a better payoff if it was just a dream. Pretty, you have Mark Wahlberg yeah. wake up in a sweat and think, oh, thank fuck that didn't happen. I would have rather have seen that. Would have rather have seen that. But it was just honestly awful. I don't know what IMDb rating it's got, but it it just trash film. It can't be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's and, and do you know what it is? I don't even really have a suggestion for this because it was that terrible. <laughs> just don't make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just don't make it. To me, it was just even even the nature of the 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 villain being toxins or the wind or whatever it was. 
um, just just made no sense. There were some great scenes. Sounds like a film. variation of the Quiet Place. Sounds like a variation of that. Yeah, or almost. It's got a five point like rating on IMDb. Yeah, I'm just having a look at that now. That's not terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but still, I feel like but... It, it must have like a of the room kind of following where people watch it because it's so oh, bad. Yeah, that's brilliant. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. but it kind of give me gives me Bird Box vibes as well, though. To be fair, yeah, but we know your take on that. We do know my take yeah. on that. Yeah, Bird Box would be on this list, but I've already angered Dan enough um, talking. <laughs> well, no, no, it's not angry. It's just brilliant. I think we need to watch your blood pressure. Honestly, I, uh, <laughs> my my biggest takeaway from this example is I love how you used the fact that it was an hour twenty minutes as a sign of being bad when films only ever used to be like 80, 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. This is yeah. Now I expect a good film to have to take up three hours of my life. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, honestly, it was just it was just the most strange, pointless ending. It just made no sense whatsoever. And I don't know how even if if I was Mark Wahlberg in that moment, how you read to the end of the script. I thought, yes, this is definitely something I would be a part of. But then again, I guess he read he read the contract and the page. Yeah, yeah, the contract and the page, the first page, <laughs> and that was it. Um, but yeah, honestly, genuinely awful, awful thing. Um, but yeah, I would put Bird Box in the same category as that because it's just it's just a very similar. I think, like you said, because yeah. it's just it feels like a waste of your time. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. And also, can we just talk about Bird Box for a second? Why did that couple run off in the middle of it? <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly, and was it the police officer, randomly just decide to steal the car one night and leave as if they've got anything better on. And again, where did they go? How did it end? What happened to them? No idea. Just decided to run (laughs) off. I think what they'd done is they said Machine Gun Kelly, been in the media a little bit recently, had his whole thing with Eminem. He's going to cost us a little bit more, so I think we can only afford him for half. I think that's the way the the script went with him. Um, But yeah, that's that's my, my last one, I think. Okay. All right. Cool. I think uh, you guys Josh have discovered Spencer. like a, a small bonus episode where you can just d- dissect the uh, the bad M Night Shyamalan movies, which is like <laughs> he's got what ten, uh-huh. maybe ten movies. So that's like seven out of ten, maybe eight out of ten, depending on your take on the village. But yeah, they genuinely are like the, some of the strangest thing. Yeah, to me, I, I, it's just not films for me though. To be honest, none of them really are. If I'm being fair, see, actually, yeah. on a side note, I think the thing with Shyamalan, Shyamalan is I almost felt for him because his films then became all about the twist. And there must be so much pressure then to make that twist a good one because that's all people went for. I think they they ignored, if it was a 90-minute runtime, they probably ignored the 80 minutes. They just were waiting for that last 10 minutes. I think that's probably what it was. Well, was it... Oh God, I'm going to get this so wrong now. Was it was it Signs that was, was his as well yeah science he did science yep. yeah 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 and, it was, uh or i guess yeah i guess it would be if i'm assuming he'd, he's done 10 so like four because you'd have the sixth sense unbreakable the village and signs would be the four that i really enjoy and then since yeah. then i think the only movie that he's really been i've seen two movies of his that he's been attached to which uh i think devil was the elevator one he was a producer on that which I thought that one was actually pretty decent. I'm not a big like horror thriller kind of person, but I, I enjoyed that one. That one was interesting. And then he also directed the really bad Avatar, the last airbender live action movie. I've not seen that <laughs> yet. <laughs> but, yeah, I really liked Unbreakable. I thought Unbreakable was great. I've not seen Unbreakable. Um, was oh, Split. He did Split too, which oh, a lot of people split. enjoyed Split. I haven't yeah, seen I that one split. yet. Yeah, I like Split. Brilliant. I'm not sure about Glass. And, and, 
for me, I, if you've not seen Split, I won't, I won't say much and about it. But for me, again, the ending, I loved it for the ending, and it's just, yeah, that that I kind of geeked out a little bit over that. But yeah, I, I saw, yeah, the first four. I think, what did we say? It was yeah, Six Sense, Signs, The Village, um, and I really liked Unbreakable. Yeah, I really liked Unbreakable, yeah. Sorry, but can I just say, isn't Signs where the son of Mel Gibson decides to have a baseball bat fight with an alien at the end? Uh, it's Joaquin it Phoenix, who's his brother-in-law. Yeah. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. Signs for me was still on the 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 lower end of the IMDb spectrum, in my opinion. But you well, know, and and again, <laughs> I haven't. It's one of those films I haven't seen for ages, not because I don't like it, just I just haven't got around to seeing it again. But I think what I liked about that was because, am I wrong in thinking that they were building up the film to make it look like they weren't real, but the aliens were real. And and yeah. and I think that was kind of what the twist was um, almost for me a little bit. It, it felt like no, you weren't sure if I, I can't remember it. It's, I think it was more ambiguous towards the alien intentions for a while, right, um, okay. because like there there is that moment pretty early on, which like that's the moment of the movie for me where you have that family that's doing the the home video, yeah, uh, and they've got that corn stalk right, in the front, right? Yes, and it's like yeah, a kid's yeah, birthday yeah. party, and everyone's freaking out. And uh, then the alien walks by like that moment freaks me out still because like aliens, humanoid aliens, especially in in horror movies, like if you do it well, that it freaks me the hell out. (laughs) Yeah, but but no, Luke, check out, check out Unbreakable and and then Split. Oh, so, yeah, no, no, I've seen Split. Seen Split. Oh, you've split, seen Split. Oh, so then you really need to see Unbreakable. You have to. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to now. <laughs> I saw, and I saw list. Glass. Glass was the last one, wasn't it? In, in that kind of run of films. And yeah, I'm not sure what I thought of that. Not sure what I thought of that. I think Split was definitely better, but. I think Split just plays to how good of a bloody actor James McAvoy is. Yes. All, the, all those characters he played. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable yeah. performance in that film. It's. Yeah ridiculous um but he's yeah if anyone but m night Shyamalan directed that movie he probably would have gotten a best actor nomination <laughs> yeah. so basically, if you want to lose out on awards just don't accept the script from him <laughs> like i said because I, I remember him being the big thing wasn't it when the sixth sense came th- out that was it he was he, i was huge. just gonna say i think that's why mark Wahlberg took the happening was because he probably didn't even read the script he's like oh it's a Shyamalan movie sign me up yeah yeah and, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Like and that was the the beginning of the end for Shyamalan before he had a brief resurgence with Split and then he just burned all that goodwill again. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm just keeping an eye on the time. I think we've got another probably twenty minutes or so. Um, Josh, did you have another any more? Um, well, let's let's break away from like TV and stuff. Uh, this is one I think you and I can talk about a little bit, Dan. Uh, Mass Effect Three. I've got it here. I don't, <laughs> got it here. That was fine. I, I don't necessarily hate the ending. I just would have liked to have seen a little bit more because we've spent three games and God knows how many hours building this arsenal, this army to fight the Reapers. And in, in the big climactic moment of the game, we never see it. We're, we're fighting yes. on Earth and yes. we hear all this stuff going on over the radios but we never see like the Rachni and the, the Krogan working together. And we never see yeah. the um, uh, I'm forgetting all the other species names now, uh, but we don't see like Liara's people and uh, the, the humans fighting together. We, we don't see all of these allegiances that we've spent three games building and fighting off this giant Reaper army. We just see what we're seeing, which is Shepard running towards the Reaper before we end up on the Citadel somehow. And I, I just I want to see that payoff more than anything of like, this is the work I've put into this game, helping me with this battle. 
because I, again, I don't hate the ending. I think it could have been better. Uh, but what with what we got, I think, again, just giving a little bit more payoff for the work we put in would have been better. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Lou, I know you, you've not played it, but you don't mind us talking about an ending. No, I've, got I've, played, real specific views. I've played all three Mass Effect games, but I played them oh, yeah, so yeah. long ago when I was a kid yeah. and I just never went back to them. I talked recently in a pod about having to go back and replay them. For me, Josh, absolutely. Now, Mass Effect is like my favourite set of games. I love it. I play it every probably 18 months minimum. I have to, you know, I have to give it a bit of time and then I'll come back to play it. And I'm about to start it again. And yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think because you've got the scene right at the end in the battle where you're going around talking to all your teammates, aren't you? And you're almost like you're saying goodbye, it feels like. And in a way, I wanted the ending to finish a little bit sooner and I'll tell you why in a minute, but put, I think, your ending on. Now, I think, you know, there's a scene where Anderson and Shepard are slumped at, like, a console, and they're looking out into space, and they're just having a really hot, like, a heart-to-heart conversation. I think they talk about what Yeah, just before we good. see the star child or something, yeah. Yeah. I almost think that should have been the ending, and maybe they should have both just died there. And then you see, like you said, the battle, maybe, or, the, or what's happening going on around them i know the star child is obviously fundamental but they could have worked something into it but i just feel as two characters that i've been you know that you've invested so much time in and got to like that that scene it just felt perfect that if that was the end of kind of like shepherd and anderson together in in that moment so yeah I, i'm not gonna hate the ending i know it did get a lot of hate I, it's just it's not like you said it's not what three games worth of time and an investment into them that's not it's not what they it, it it wasn't the sum of that i think yeah and it's what we've kind of been talking about throughout this entire thing which maybe the theme of this uh is trying to put a, a happy bow on the on the ending um which again with something like mass effect it's really hard to get a happy ending considering mm-hmm. you're you're dealing with like an extinction level event with the reapers where they're trying to wipe out the entire galaxy yeah, and I guess it's how you've played the game as well, depending on how you made it. But when I first played them, I did do a like a bad a renegade run through, but I can't do it anymore. I play it each time and I make the same decisions. <laughs> My shepherd is the same every playthrough. And I think, you know, you kind of yeah, want him to have, like, like I said, that moment. And, and I just feel, yeah, the whole Star Child feel, thing afterwards, it just felt just felt just a way of extending it. And yeah, like like you said, you don't see enough of what goes on around it. it, it if if anything, this this Citadel DLC that they released afterwards as a fan service felt great to go back to that and see them have that one final sort of mission and then a little bit of fun together interaction. Yeah, that one that one I think uh, that's the one with the the party and you get the clone yes. shepherd or something like that. Um, yeah, I, that one you. I, I always play as Femme Shep because I, I love Jennifer Hale's performance. She actually like emotes with it and everything where uh, I forget the the name of the, the guy who does Man Shep, but um, his performance is always just so stoic and like flatlined. So yeah, I, yeah. I always have a hard time buying into it, but uh, I always did do like when I did the Renegade character, I would always play as Man Shep because again, I think you get a little bit more performance out of it. <clears throat> and uh like that's the one time i remember when the the moment in the citadel dlc where they're trapped inside the the container before the clone shepherd's gonna like walk away from the citadel with the the normandy and everything you get shepherd just be like actually emoting and being snarky and cynical a few times with the okay. the squad mates that you have 
and uh, I was like, oh wow, he can act. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can I can disagree with you on that either. But like I said, I just feel yeah, for me that that scene that I mentioned felt like a great end to it. I was gonna say something else, but my mind has completely gone on it now. But yeah, I, I just think oh, uh, that's what I was gonna say. And the, the other thing is, they do feel almost like um a film those games it's one of the ones that mm-hmm. i can play easily because my partner will sit down and watch it and even if she's not necessarily watching it she'll say oh but didn't so-and-so do that and didn't that character do that she's she's listening she loves it so it's it's one i can stick on and say oh do you mind if i play Effect?" she's like no no go for it because i know she's going to get invested in the story as we're playing it oh yeah my wife has watched me play play several times there there have been a few times where i tried to get her to even just uh influence the the chat wheel to, to kind of oh, yeah. make her yeah. own adventure while I play it. And she, she can't, she's like, nope, nope. Too much anxiety for me to make decisions on this sort of thing. Cause she knows <laughs> that decisions will affect the game later on. So she, she's just like, nope, you just, you just do what you're going to do. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> the, the struggle is real. Not, not now because I've played it so many times, but when you're, um, uh, when you're playing a game like that for the first time and you've got two decisions, it's like, which one do I go for? It's the most important thing in the world at that moment in time. Creating a save game just so you can turn around and switch it <laughs> off and then start back where you were. <laughs> I was just saying... Oh, yeah, I don't know how many times I accidentally killed... Uh, was it Ashley? Oh, yeah. In the first game, you can choose between Ashley and Caden. And that's one of the few times where like, I will stick... I don't care that she's a space racist... I will save Ashley because she's at least interesting where Caden is just kind of like, I got a thing in my head. I don't like it. It hurts sometimes. It's like, yeah, you're always, so I'll... boring. I would rather watch paint dry right now. I always feel sorry for Caden when I restart Mass Effect because he's not going to have much screen time with me. So, <laughs> yeah, we, 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 like we, the, this... the conversations with him always end the same too. Every single time, it's just kind of like, and this thing in my head that everyone just wants me for the thing in my head because it it hurts. It's like I get it. I was asking you about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to say, yeah, for me, Mass Effect series, yeah, top best game, best game series for me. Oh, no, were you going to say something on it? Or? No, I was just going to say you would have definitely have known because you mentioned as well how your partner was watching. You just knew it was a bad ending if she turns around, sees the end and says, well, that was fucking shit after watching <laughs> yeah. you play it for that long. <laughs> you say, you know what? Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> she gets invested in it as well. She, It's funny, you know, she gets invested in the characters. My wife's watching me play uh, Horizon Forbidden West right now and she, like, I can't play it without her because she's like, I need to know what happens. <laughs> What was the other? She did the same for me. I think we've mentioned this in the other one. Uh, Grand Theft Auto, because she likes it when the radio stations come on the car. So the, the, that's a negative for me because when she's there, all I can do is drive around the city listening to the <laughs> 80s radio station. <laughs> and um, yeah, Red Dead Redemption 2 actually was another one. She got kind of sucked into the story of that one. So um, yeah, no, great games, great games. I feel like you and I, we could do a, a whole... We should, we should do an episode on Mass Effect. I think we could really break that down. We could definitely do a talking smack on Mass Effect. I, I'd be down. Not yet. Let's do it. I'm going to be replaying it, actually. It, I think next week I'm restarting it. So I'm going to say, so I played it a number of times. And when they announced the, the Legendary Edition, even though I knew it would come to Game Pass initially, I had to buy it day one, play them, then traded it in. So I had it before because I had to play it. I had to play it. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm I'm a physical copy person. I even with Game Pass, I like I have my disc in case I ever need to shut down my Game Pass subscription for a while. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely, and that one, I don't, I don't blame you. Oh, hold on, 
I wasn't sure how far open my cat was going to open the door. Um, so if you heard that creaking just now, that was that was my cat deciding he needed to to make an appearance. Hi. I was going to say, I've just got one more thing to throw in the hat here. And I don't even want to talk about it that long because I was so upset by the ending for it. Was Game of Thrones. I, I just didn't like the last couple of episodes. It, and was it terrible? I guess it's not necessarily terrible as terrible goes. I just didn't think it was a fitting ending. Again, kind of like, we're talking about the Mass Effect ending. It's just the previous, however many seasons I felt the 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 last season and last episode of Game of Thrones just didn't didn't sum it up for me. I think it was very unsatisfactory. I'd almost have ended it. You know the cliffhanger ending of the previous season where you see is it the the White Walkers descending or moving in? I think they've broken through the wall and I think they're moving in. And you see the the Ice Dragon. I think it's. I think that's how the previous season ends. I'd almost leave it there. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd leave it there. Leave it on that cliffhanger. Don't don't tarnish it. See now, unlike you guys who all wasted years of your life, I didn't do that because I never watched Game of Thrones. So jokes all on you guys, really, isn't it? <laughs> Alongside no, everybody else bad. listening to this that did. <laughs> There's six seasons of such good television and storytelling, yeah, yeah. and then you get to seven and eight, and it's like. Is this the same show? <laughs> well, yeah, everybody yeah. that I've ever spoken to has always said, if you watch Game of Thrones, just forego the last season. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. What would I do that for? I'm like, why would I go into a show knowing that I'm not well, going to get... <laughs> I think you can, though. The thing is, like like Josh said, I think the first six seasons hold up brilliantly. And I've rewatched them. I just didn't watch the last season. Uh, <laughs> I think they still hold up as great television. It, it's just, oh, yeah, it's just so disappointing. There's some really... And you, see, you saw the memes come out at the end. There's one of... Um, when Cersei's running down the stairs when the mountain and and the hound are having a fight it just looks you know she just looks really out of place running down it it was just yeah not great not great (laughs) so that that was it for me my of my my own examples um Lou did you have any more no no not really I did have one more film one but I I just wanted to forgo it entirely because I actually hated that film more than the happening and I feel like it's going to make me angry if I say it now say it no Josh we want that yeah now now, now I'm curious (laughs) right it's Nicolas Cage which I feel like isn't isn't outwardly shocking to be fair and it's the film knowing oh, i've not seen i that. haven't seen that one. Oh my you know what watch it because then you can be as angry induced as i am then so i'm not going to spoil this one watch Hold it on. to I, quote I you to literally to quote you literally two minutes ago why would i watch that now <laughs> if you just slate in it <laughs> <laughs> well we've given him so much homework i guess we could watch a 90 minute movie Actually, that's bad on, yeah go. honestly honestly it's it i would have genuinely i know this is so ridiculous but i would have preferred a woke up in a dream ending similar to the happening i just thought it was really cool concept crap execution Nicolas Cage, I feel like, floats between making a great film and a crap one and a great film and a crap one. Um, and he's just always been like that. So you never know what you're going to get with him. But yeah, he's got to pay off all those debts because he's buying so many Superman comics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. So, yeah. Um, Josh, did you have any more? Uh, I've got two more. Um, I have Fable 2, another video game, which okay, again, okay. just make it, make it an actual boss fight. Don't, don't have the guy monologue for 20 seconds and then you just line up your gun and kill him uh it it was just very unsatisfactory again uh and then the other one uh kind of ties into what you had mentioned earlier dan with uh friends i have how i met your mother which we talked about briefly Uh, a little bit with robin being a horrible person i would change it to apparently there's an alternate ending out there where they did end up having tracy survive and she is the mother and like everyone's happily ever after but 
to the creator's credit, they stuck with their original ending, which is Ted and Robin end up together. The only problem is the show went for like three seasons longer than they anticipated. And they just kept making Robin worse and worse and worse of a person to the point where, again, like you don't see how Ted can be happy with this person other than the fact that we've invested nine seasons of him being in love with her. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, I remember that upsetting a lot of people. It really did upset a lot of people. And I'd forgotten about the Fable 2 ending, actually. Yeah. I don't remember what happens after with the epilogue, but I just remember that fight and it's like you're you're geared up for it. You're all leveled up yeah. and then they're just like slow motion bullet time. You, you aim your gun and that's it. Thanks, Peter Molyneux. You've disappointed <laughs> us again. Well, he is the one who, who made a game about destroying bits of a, a cube and having a life changing <laughs> yeah. prize inside that yep. didn't change him. Well, except made that guy's life worse. I think <laughs> that was the yeah. life changing event. Didn't he yeah. have like a fifty thousand pound virtual pickaxe that you could buy as well, which would like take all the blocks away? Or am I making that up? <laughs> or well, it was like uh, yeah, X amount. I wouldn't of be blocks, surprised. Yeah. yeah, it was like a stupid tool or something. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay, if that's if that's it for the for for everyone's examples, I've got. I was going to do a couple of things. I was going to do um, some alternate takes, but that's probably going to take a while. So I'm going to skip that. I did, as I mentioned earlier, I looked at Reddit's worst TV show endings and worst film endings. I'm just going to throw them at you uh, and see what you think. Now, we've, we've, we've mentioned this one. How I Met Your Mother was number one for the, for the worst TV show endings. So Josh is a happy, angry man there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, yeah, I was just looking at lists. And this, they reminded me of this one, which, again, I haven't ever gone back to the series. I love the series. And it's kind of like a um, Game of Thrones for me, but it's Dexter. I don't know if anyone ever watched Dexter, no, but I love the series. I never but... watched Dexter. Showtime was one of those premium cable networks that I just never subscribed to. I just remember getting into it and just loving the concept of it. But the last season, again, just felt rushed. And the last episode was just, yeah, just get rid of it. Um, yeah, apparently they they did fix it with the, the newest reboot, reboot, renew season. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they went. It was just a dream or something. But uh, apparently, the new season or seasons are better. I think they've just gone in to uh, yeah. I think rectify. I think it's set X years later, and he's got a son now. And I think it's just to try give a better, leave a better taste in the mouth for want of a better analogy. We've got Sopranos, and I think it's because of Fate to Black. I think that upset a lot of people. That's an example of the ambiguity not being well timed. I think. I think that you could have done a few extra seconds or a few extra minutes and then fade to black. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This one, Quantum Leap, but they've said as well, not that it's, uh, this fits in that, not that it's a bad ending, it's just not a happy one. And it fits into that thing, everybody wants a happy ending. So I don't know, Lou, do you know what Quantum Leap is? No, no. It's a guy, it won't get into mechanics, but keeps jumping in through time, his timeline into people's lives and has to, the only way he can move on is to fix something that bad that was going to happen to that person. Right, okay. But it it just, I remember the last episode finished with him, the fact that he never got home. And it just came up with a scream that he's basically continuing to jump. And yeah, it, people hate it because they didn't get that happy ending on that one. Yeah, the series was the series was cancelled, which is why they never got the happy ending. Yeah, and they keep, they've been talking about it for years for about a film, etc. But it's just, yeah, it's never happened. But I think leave it, leave it in the past now. Sherlock, I think they just said it ran out of steam. The the British one, I, I, I and I think I agree. I don't think it was bad, but the last see the last 
couple of episodes just felt silly. Uh, Entourage, never seen that, but they said it was criticised for its lack of conflict, which is quite weird, saying it went all Disney at that's, the end. That's another one of those shows where just everyone's awful and I can't watch it because there's no good person to enjoy. Yeah, I've, I've never I've never watched it, never watched it, and now I've got no reason to. This one is a Netflix show. It's called Bloodline. I don't know if you've ever seen it on Netflix. No, never seen this. Is that the vampire one? No, no. So I could say this because it's not necessarily a spoiler. It's the whole concept of it. It's a family where they kill one of the members of it and it's about them covering it up and how it comes out. Now, the mm. first two seasons felt compelling. But again, the, the third season just felt like they couldn't they couldn't keep that up. So, so again, it's like good good storytelling that not much then happened in the last one. And I think and, and I think they've said here, I think similar to your Mass Effect 3 uh, conclusion, they said the finale in season three found one of the characters attempted to make things right by deciding he'll confess to the guy's son that he killed him. But the fact that the conversation and the result of it happened off screen was a letdown, which does feel a bit of a, a miss there. Breaking Bad is on here. A lot of people, oh, really? and I've seen that. A lot of people seem to dislike it. They say that, the finale undid much of what the show had previously accomplished and actually vindicated Walter White. I, I kind of thought it was all right. Yeah, I, I quite like the ending of Breaking Bad, to be fair. I think I thought it was a, a nice way to set him off. And also, if people are moaning about that film, in reality, Walter White ended that film irrespective of what he did towards the end in saving people. He ended that film a vile bastard. Sorry, he ended that program a vile bastard. So, yeah, he... he, he the ending of him bleeding out in the middle of a drug lab is beautiful. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like. <laughs> Uh, Josh, your take on that? Uh, Breaking Bad is one of those shows that uh, everyone, it was a phenomenon. Everyone was talking about it. I, I binged it pretty heavily uh, to finally just get in on the, the action of it. I think I watched the first like four seasons. It went six seasons, I think, or maybe seven. Um, but it never really stuck with me. I just, uh, again, it's one of those shows where everyone's awful and I just can't connect with the characters. So like, uh, uh, one of my co-hosts, Beppo, and I, we did a, a like most shocking moments kind of thing. And she talked about Gus Fring getting blown in half. And yeah, I didn't yeah. even remember it because, again, the show just never stuck with me. I, I watched it more out of duty than out of any kind of fandom. So I, I don't even really remember the ending. Yeah, I think if you feel like you have to watch it, and I've done that before where you feel like everyone's going on about it. So must be. Must be good. I'll quickly blitz these last two because then we go into films. Uh, Seinfeld and Sons of Anarchy were the last two. Uh, Seinfeld, I think, because they said this, the finale was just past characters relaying events of past series, which I can kind of get that. And for movies, according to Reddit, we've got Man of Steel. This is worst movie endings. Man of Steel, Source Code, I Am Legend, Indecent <laughs> Proposal, Planet of the Apes, Now You See Me. There you go. I, I, I think I'll cut a couple out because we may have actually discussed them. But yeah. Sorry, yeah. Can we just say Source Code was trash. Proper was Source Code tra- the Johnny Depp one where no, he becomes the it, internet? N- no, it was, um, is it Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. Um, like on a train trying to stop a terrorist attack. Oh, I, I've heard good it. things about that one. Oh, I didn't like it at all. I didn't like it at oh. all. I think the film's good, but yeah, here they're saying it's the, um, it's the ending. Yeah, I get that. I think we've had quite a good show there. I think we could have probably talked <laughs> talked about each one a lot more. So I think, yeah, before we finish, Josh, do you want to let people know where, where we can hear you and what where best to get you? Um, if you want most of my entertainment takes, I do that from the Talking Smack account on Twitter. That's uh, at Talking Smack Pod. Smack is spelled S-M-A-C. 
And uh, yeah, most of that is me talking to other podcasts or sharing my thoughts and opinions. Sometimes Alex will share some news and throw some snark in there. Um, different Alex from the one we talked about earlier with Dan at work. Um, sorry <laughs> if you hear my dog barking. She wants to go outside in this 100 degree weather. Um, yeah, at, at Talking Smack Pod, I also have a I, we have a Twitch account that we're starting to use where I'm playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And uh, my personal account is at Josh underscore Scar. Scar spelled S-K-A-A-R. Uh, that one I get a little bit more personal and political because uh, just to say it, I don't know if you, you can cut it out if you want to, but America is kind of in a big spiral right now and it is breaking my heart. No, no, I see your tweets and yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. All I can say is thank you for coming on. I think it's been brilliant. I think I'll definitely go have you on again at some point for, uh, for an entertainment theme show. Lou, were you going to say something? Look like you were going to say No, something. you could just catch him soon to be a Marvel writer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> Well, I think if any script oh, man, writers dream. are listening to us, that would be a us, dream. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I, I can be a script doctor, uh, but yeah, I, I should also mention the podcast is uh, able to be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Good Pods, Podchaser, and a few others. That uh, I, again, I'm not quite sure if our RSS feed is properly updated. We should be on Google. But I don't know. I don't get stats from that because Anchor is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about that. Brilliant. No, cheers, Josh. Uh, Lou, before we go, anything from yourself? No, apart from the fact that don't watch Knowing. Um, I just tell everyone <laughs> to go that film, save it. Because on your deathbed, when you've come to realize all the mistakes that you've made in your life, the one regret I'm going to have is wasting an hour and a half on that <laughs> film. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, I'm just going to say... If you have liked what you heard, please give us a review or a rating if you can on your, your platform of choice. Uh, you can get us on pretty much all the places Josh mentioned. But you, if you want to drop us an email, it's castingviewspod at gmail.com. And Twitter is at castingviews. And I had forgotten to do a before we go piece because that's a new feature, which I knew would only last about a couple of episodes. However, I've got something I want to throw. Now, the problem is this would have started off an, another conversation for about 90 minutes, I think. So I'm just going to throw it and we're going to cut away. Like like the Sopranos, we're going to cut to black. So, Lou, cars, top tier, Pixar, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. Literally, literally the, the, the pinnacle of the pinnacle. It's if you've got the iceberg or your hierarchy, it is cars and then everything else. Any comments, Josh? I can't remember what yours was, but we were talking about this in, in the thing. But yeah, that caused a lot of controversy on Twitter. Lee. There's 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 a big ocean between us, but I'm happy I'm happy to meet up and have a fight over this it got, one. It got it got our biggest uh, whole uh, involvement interaction. That, that. I, do you know what it is? I've said this before. I'm going to say it till the day I die. Cars is not only a great animated film; it's also a great racing film. Not only is it a good animated story, it's a great racing film as well. It's like everything mashed together. And Owen Wilson as well. Why not? Michael Schumacher is in Cars. That's how you know it's a good racing film. Not having any... Josh, not having any Josh anything to say before show. we finally go on there? <laughs> <laughs> um, the Incredibles is probably the best Pixar movie, maybe up in my opinion. Um I have a great picture that maybe I'll put up with this episode of me and Kevin from Up that I took at Disney World. So, oh, nice, um, nice. Yeah, yeah, Lou, yeah. you're wrong, but you're <laughs> allowed to have your opinion. Yeah, I didn't. No, 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 no. Right, no. ending. Sorry, no, we're cutting. <laughs> right, no, you, we're you can have an opinion, but opinions can be wrong. <laughs>
I love it. I'm going to keep bringing this up every now and then. Honestly, oh my <laughs> god! I'm just, oh, my list of people that I'm going to have to defend cars with in literally physical conflict is just getting bigger and bigger. Unbelievable! <laughs> Unbelievable! But, I think Cars but, is good, but it's I don't I don't think it's in Pixar's top ten. I think it's like maybe top fifteen for them, but it's it's not even top ten in my opinion. No, nah, like you said, it's it. the if you're if we're talking the iceberg, the you you've got like five percent of the Dad, iceberg. Do the outro. You've got everything else. <laughs> do, do the outro. Do of, the all outro. The, of all the fandoms we've upset, Marvel, DC, everything. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's Pixar with Luke. Right, so yeah, let, let's let's stop here. So we know there's a lot of podcasts from which you could choose. So thank you for listening to Casting Views. 